as young kids, many of us dreamed. No one had to teach us. No one had to tell us to dream. We just dreamed. And I'm not talking about daydreaming. I'm talking about thinking of the future, of what you wanted to be. Thinking of a time that as you grew up, what you would love to do, the adventures that you would love to to be a part of, to experience. And then as you got older, many of us just stopped dreaming. We stopped thinking about the dreams of our lives and we just said, well, this is reality. Tomorrow's a new day. Let's live that in the reality that we're in. We can't change our circumstances. We can't change our futures. We're just here, and this is the life we have to live. You see, I think that many of us have that mindset because we've stopped dreaming. We face difficulties in life. As a church, we're kind of walking through a difficult time. As we, we think about what the future holds for us as a congregation, you know, who, who are we going to, to be a part of? We, we may like some of the things about the United Methodist Church. We may not like some of the things. We, we may like some things that are offered over here by greener pastures, maybe. Uh, we may not. But the difficulty lies in the middle which is where we are. Where do we stand as a people? And in those moments, some of the most difficult things to do is to stop and dream again. But you see, I believe that's the very thing that we need to do. Is that we need to dream again. Because you see, when you stop dreaming, you tend to live in the past instead of seeing the opportunities of the future. You know, compared to the difficulties of life that Martin Luther King Jr. experienced, the difficulties we're facing as a church don't even come close But even in the difficulties that he was facing, on August 28th, 1963, as he stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., at the beginning of his speech, titled, I Have a Dream, he said this. He said, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. He wasn't confined and he wasn't defined by the difficulty that he was in. But he still sought the dream that he wanted to be in. 
the reality that he wanted, not just for himself, but his, for his people. He goes on and he says, I have a dream that my four little children may one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He says, I have a dream today. You see, it was that dream that propelled him forward. It was that dream that got him up in the morning to face the difficulties that he would face. It was that dream that gave him passion and drive. He goes on and says, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Not only did he want this for his people, but he wanted it for all people. You see, he wanted to live in the country that we declared we were, that all people were created equal. But yet we didn't live what we said we dreamed of. He goes on, he says, this is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will one day be free. This, is, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with a new meaning, my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride from every mountainside. Let freedom sing. He had a dream. You see, I believe that the greatest tragedy of today is that we've stopped dreaming. We've just accepted reality as it is. We've left the dreaming up to the people in Washington, D.C., We've left the, the dreaming up to the, the governors and the mayors and, and the people with political power. We've left the dreaming up to them. And when they don't dream, when they don't succeed and make things greater and better, we hold them accountable and said, you didn't do what we wanted you to do. All the while, we never even began to dream. I'm not just talking about dreams that you have at night. Though it is possible that you dream dreams about dreaming. Did you get that? 
See, I'm not just talking about dreaming. I'm talking about a vision. Talking about a vision of something better, of something greater. You see, even if everything was great, even if every seat in this sanctuary was packed full, if we had thousands of people watching online, the moment we stop dreaming, we start dying. The moment we stop looking to a better future, no matter how great it is, we'll stop pursuing something better. So as a church, it's time to start dreaming again. As individuals, it's time to start dreaming again. You know, as I I listen to people um, talking and expressing concerns and, and genuine concerns, and I kept hearing negative things that had happened in the past and how we don't want to do that again. We don't want to go there again. Avoiding them is living in it. Because you're allowing those negative things that happened to control you from moving into a future that God has in store for us. You see, because fear paralyzes us. And Satan knows that if he can embed those senses of fears in our lives, he will keep us from pursuing the dream that God has for us. Erwin McManus says that your dreams are the product of your longings, a portrait of your potential, and a promise of your future. So let's look at some people who had dreams. In Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence and assurance. So, as a church, what do we typically say as Christians? The, the proper Christian thing to say to people is just have, just have faith. Well, what are we trying to say? Well, well, if you know God, if you have a relationship with Him, then you put your faith in Him. You, you see, this isn't a blind faith that we are just saying, well, I, I hope things turn out the way that we want them to. No, no, this is a confidence in Jesus. Not you, not your circumstances, not what other people may do to you, but a confidence in Jesus, an assurance in what you do not see. The hardest thing for us to think about God and Jesus is the fact that we don't think we can see him. Did you hear that? little extra I put in there. We don't think we can see him, but the reality is that he's all around us. 
He's in the miracles that happen every day. He's in the people around us every day. Assurance in what we do not see. But what is it that we fear? What we do not see. We fear what we don't know. We fear what is in front of us. But yet we were always meant to dream of something better. Of something bigger. Only God can take you where you were born to go. There are a lot of roads you can choose, but only one path chooses you. Think about that. Jesus chose you and the path that he has for you. But he gives us the opportunity to choose where we go. So as it goes on in Hebrews 11, we see this phrase used over and over and over again, by faith. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Like, yep, we, because we weren't there, right? So we don't have a confidence. Even scientists, like even Christian scientists who say, yep, God created the universe and everything in it. There's still a degree of faith because they weren't there to witness it, were they? So there's still a degree of faith involved even in the creation of the world. Even in the things that we're confident about, there's still a degree of faith. It says, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, even Sarah. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. By faith, they stepped into the future that God had for them, knowing that that future was not the total end result because they were just foreigners in a land because they were meant always to be with God, their creator. By faith, Abraham. By, by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses, Moses had a lot of faith, so he gets mentioned a couple of times. It says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. So the, the Hebrew nation, they walked by faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab freed the spies so that they could get away from the people pursuing them. And so as it goes on, and it lists faith, the one thing that the faith had to be supported by. So some of you, it may say at the very top of, of chapter 11, it says faith in action. You see, faith is not just something you say, yep, 
I believe it. Faith requires action. So we cannot just say, yeah, I dream of a day. Martin Luther King Jr. could not just say, I dream of a day when, and that's where his dream ended. But everything about his life was in pursuit of that dream. You see, as a pastor, the struggle that I have is I have a dream. I have tons of dreams for this church, for this community, for you as individuals. But here's what happens. I have a dream. But it's not even really my dream. It's really God's dream. But if we're not all pursuing with a passion and a love and a desire to see God's dream fulfilled, it won't happen. Sure, I could do great things. I could impact people's lives. But think about how much greater that impact would be if we all pursued the dream that God has for us. Viktor Frankl um, was a World War II Nazi concentration camp survivor. He said that hope is essential to life. He goes on in one of his books and he says this. He says, whenever there was an opportunity for it, he's talking about in the concentration camps, whenever there was an opportunity for it, one had to give them a why, an aim for their lives in order to strengthen them to bear the terrible of how uh, the terrible how of their existence woe to him who saw no more sense in his life no aim no purpose and therefore no point of carrying on he was soon lost in his books, he, he frequently talks about the people that as, as soon as they lost their reason for living, it was only a matter of days before they died. He talks in, in some of his books about what kept him going was rewriting his book. You see, he had actually written a full manuscript of a book and then he was taken prisoner to the concentration camp. So he didn't have the manuscript. So what kept him going was rewriting the book he had already written. But then adding to that book, as he learned through the, the sick circumstances that he was facing. And he began to, to see that he was literally living in a lab. Because a lot of the things that he had written in his book were just his thoughts, were theories. But now he began to literally see them lived out. He began to see the reality behind that these weren't just theories. These were realities that as soon as somebody loses their why, they'll die. Frankel seems to have been inspired or at least informed by Nietzsche's um, observation 
He who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. I'll say it again. He who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. As soon as you lose your why, you begin to die. Dr. Seuss didn't write that. I did. You see, it's also true about congregations. You see, that's kind of my specialty is studying congregations, studying the health and the vibrancy and the vitality of churches. And I can tell you with confidence that if a church does not dream, it begins to die. No matter how big or how small, if they stop dreaming, they begin to die. Hebrews 11 verse 39 says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Did you hear the beauty of those words? None of them received what they had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, Martin Luther King Jr., he just had a dream. But that dream became a reality when together we began pursuing that same dream. You see, a dream that I have as a pastor is that I don't have a job. And you're like, well, that sounds kind of weird. But that's, that's, that's how I see my job as a pastor. Because my ultimate role is to work myself out of a job. So that the people that I'm leading become the pastors and the shepherds of each other, become the evangelists to the community. That, that it's not a, a role that's paid for by somebody up here in this hierarchy of a church structure, but it's something that we all do together because we're pursuing God's dream for each other, but for our communities for the people that we don't know. He, the writer of Hebrews goes on in chapter 12. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Oh, that's so, like, that speaks to me. Like, you just put run in a sentence and it speaks to me. But you see, what he's saying is, there's a finish line. What are you running toward? Why are you running this race of life? What gets you up in the morning? If the sole purpose of you getting up in the morning is because you think your kids need you, that should not be your primary reason for living. If your spouse is your reason for getting up in the morning and nothing else, you're, you're putting your faith in something that is going to let you down. And before long, they let you down enough you don't want to get up in the morning for that. Because we've put all of our life's focus around something that will fail us. But when we put our hope on the perfecter and finisher of our faith, who's Jesus Christ, He will not let us down. He won't, he won't fall and fail in what He's promised us. He, he will provide for us in ways we never imagined. I, I love what Ephesians, what Paul says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all, than all we ask or imagine. I love that. All we ask. We always ask. But Paul says, go beyond that. Even what you can imagine. God can do greater things than even our biggest, wildest dreams. According to His power. Wait, wait. Don't miss this next phrase. According to His power that is at work within us. We forget that. We see our dreams and we think there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. I hear churches tell me all the time, there's no way this small little church could, could have such an impact on people's lives. You're right. You won't. You aren't supposed to. Because you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for the kingdom of God. You're doing it for the person who doesn't know Jesus. But how can we possibly do those things? Well, it's because it's not your power. You're able to do those things because of the power of God that is within us. Notice he does not say the power that is within you. Because you is what? It's singular. It's just you. 
But Paul says us, because the way the dream is fulfilled is when we all come together and pursue our why. What is our why? Why are we here as a church? Why are we here on Sunday mornings worshiping? Why do we serve meals for Ducktail Run? Why do we host the football team? Why do we, why do we, why do we, why do we do the things that we do? Why aren't we doing the things that we should be doing? It goes on, 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's for Jesus' glory. It's not so that we can say, hey, look where we were and now look where we are now. Yeah, we are awesome. We did it. Good job. High five. You know, it's not that. but it's about pursuing something together. About dreaming about something bigger than us. You know, I can do some things. I I can have an impact, but I don't want to have a me impact. I want to have an us impact. I'm tired of pursuing my dreams. I want to pursue God's dream for us. But you see, just as much as God has a dream for us, he also has a dream for each one of us. Because we each have a role to play in the kingdom of God. What is that dream? What is that dream for you? It's time for us to dream again. You know, when, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I die, see, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just talking tongue-tied. When I die, I want people to be able to say, by faith, Dustin Jones lived his life. Because that means I sought something that was greater than me. I didn't fear the things that I didn't see. But... I walked with Jesus where he took me, where he was leading me. You see, one of the things about me is I let life get in the way of my dreams. I have dreams. I have things that I believe God's calling me to do, and and I have them all right there. It's just I don't do them. Because I've got this and 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 this. Maybe this, 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 this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I have a dream for a reason. What is your dream? What is God calling you to? And I don't believe that as soon as you say, I'm retired, like you're done dreaming. No. Like, if you're not dead, God's not done. He's still got things to do. 
What is God's dream for you? And are you pursuing it? Stand with me. If you'd reach your hands out and just receive this blessing. Jesus, over each person here today, over each person that that is watching this online, I pray your blessing over their dreams. I pray that you would give them courage to step out in faith, to pursue the dreams that you have for them. I pray that you will bring circumstances, that you will bring people into their life that would affirm the dreams that they have. That you would lead them into a future that you have called them to, that you have destined just for them. So that together, we might be able to to do the things that you have in store for this community. So that lives can be restored. So that people can have hope again. So that faith can be revealed and revived within people. So that a love can be felt that has never been felt before. God, help us to be people that don't stop dreaming. And God, help us as a church to dream again. To dream of a future that impacts this community and impacts people's lives beyond this community. Not for us, but for you. Give us a passion to get up in the morning so that we can pursue the why that you created us for. Amen.